What's going on, guys? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. We are here to be recapping the 49ers' 34-31 defeat of the Detroit Lions in the NFC Championship game. It was a hell of a game. It was a hell of a game. Before we get into it, if you guys are tuning in on X, make sure you hit like, repost of the post. If you're in on YouTube, make sure you hit like and subscribe. Comment your thoughts. We want to hear them. I got a panel with me tonight, as always. We'll start off with Mike. Mike, how you doing tonight? All is well, guys. Went out to kick some butt on the bowling alley. Uh, you know, and now I'm ready to talk about how the Niners kicked butt uh, at home against Detroit, man. And I'm going to complain about why I didn't see any of Ford field in the second half. That was interesting, right? That was an interesting decision Fox made. Uh, but, hey, I get it. I get it. I'm not, I'm not, you know, mad at it. But, all right. Let's go, guys. Uh, Matt will not be joining us tonight. He's uh, busy with the baby, so we will be holding it down. This was a hell of a game. Uh, but again, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. I got more co-hosts here. Christian, how you doing tonight? I'm good. Still feeling a little jet lagged. Like, uh, shouldn't feel this tired this right now, but I'm still jet lagged from Florida. So, trying to get uh, back to normal. Yeah, no, I hear you, man. All right, Dion, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Ready to talk about this game, figure this shit out, man, and uh, head toward punching the Chiefs right in the mouth. That's right. Brandon, how you doing? Doing good, man. Um, we are now, what is it, Wednesday right now? Tuesday? Mm-hmm. Wednesday? I'm on vacation Wednesday. right now, so I, can't, I don't know what day it is. But um, three days out of us advancing to the Super Bowl, Feeling good. I'm excited. Um, let's get right into it, Zach. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. All right. So it started off ugly. I'm not going to lie. I mean, the, the Detroit Lions go four plays, 75 yards, straight down the field and punch the 49ers in the mouth. I think there was only one pass, kind of like a little pass out to the flat Sam Laporta. Other than that, all runs and they score early. And we're all thinking, I mean, at least I know I was, ah, crap, here we go. The run defense that we saw versus the Packers is creeping up again and acting up. Uh, Mike, I'll start with you. Jameson Williams runs that in like 40 yards or however long it was for the score. What's your thoughts right after that score? I wasn't panicked yet. Um, the Niners have been quite literally hit or miss on the opening defensive drive all year long they come out and it's like a three and out type of thing or they get punched and then they settle down so i wasn't nervous um and i had already had an appreciation for what the lions were doing it was like all right they're going to try to hit us with everything they got and this this is not sustainable all game so i wasn't quite in a panic um i was a little concerned with the amount of broken tackles but I attributed that to nerves. The guys got to settle down a little bit. I was upset that I felt like the team needed to settle down again after needing to settle down the previous week. But it is what it is. You can't control those circumstances. But I think we've all we've all done uh, some sort of competitive uh, sports or something like that. And there there is a such thing as nerves. So I expected them to settle down. Had not hit the panic button yet. Didn't like it with four plays. Didn't like the four missed tackles on the on the touchdown run. But it was what it was, and I was like, all right, we'll settle down. Still Niners by 20. I, I love the confidence, and, and I'll admit I was a little – I don't want to say shaky, but I was upset at how easy that was for Detroit. But then again, I thought we've seen this kind of routinely 
from this defense. Unfortunately, we've seen an early drive go for points, and then they kind of tighten up. But we didn't really see that. Uh, Christian, I'll, I'll go back to you. The next drive, uh, the Lions had, I'm pulling it up here, but it goes again, 12 plays, 45 yards, after the 49ers miss a field goal for another touchdown. So not only did the 49ers not get three, it's not seven to three, it's 14 nothing. The Niners are now down two scores, and we got Jake Moody in his head on the sideline. We're all thinking, ah, shit, cut him right now. This kicker's useless. What were your thoughts after going down 14 nothing? Yeah, I was uh I was kind of you know a little worried. I was like, oh crap, we're starting slow like we did against the Packers, and this team's a little bit better, and they might make us pay. So I was definitely worried about it. Um, I know like to start the game, I was kind of hoping we take the ball, go score, you know, let our defense play with the lead. So I didn't <clears throat> I didn't I was a little worried too because I was worried about our offense having to play down, you know, 14 points. Um, I worry that our offense gets a little stale and predictable when that happens. So I was definitely worried going down 14. Uh, I, I definitely going into the game, didn't think the defense would play as terribly as they were. Um, but I also was thinking that <clears throat> I wasn't really so much on the players as I was with the scheme and, and like the way Wilkes was calling the defense. So I was just hoping that if we could make some adjustments, we could figure it out. So I was like, okay, well, there's still hope. There's still a lot of game left. It's still the Lions. We can still figure it out. You know, they, they still find a way to let teams get back in games. So I, I tried to stay as positive as possible. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't blame you. I, we were all kind of pissed off in the group chat. They get like, what the hell is this? Um, and, and unfortunately, it got worse before it got better because – I guess that's not true. The 49ers did finally score on the next drive. Eight plays, 75 yards. We saw Purdy hit uh, Debo, hit check with that beautiful kind of broken play thrown across uh, for, what, 23 yards. And then three McCaffrey runs later, the 49ers in the end zone. It's 14-7. And I know I'm thinking, all right, now we're going. Now we got a game. It's a seven-point game. They're going to be all out from here. Similar to last week. Versus the Packers, once Purdy finally hit George Kittle on that touchdown pass, I'm thinking, okay, here we go. They figured it out. Now we're going to see points every drive moving forward. That was the case. Uh, the very next Lions drive, the 49ers get a stop. So I'm thinking, okay, perfect. They're going to tie it up. Uh, they got, Lions went seven plays, 29 yards, and punted. But then, Brandon, the, the 49ers go five plays, and Purdy throws an interception. Now I get it. His arm's getting hit while he's throwing the ball. Didn't look like the best. Best throw to begin with, maybe the best decision to begin with. What are your thoughts here when after that interception? <laughs> uh, honestly, man, after that interception, I was like, "Oh, dude, this is this is it. I think we're done." I'm I'm gonna be honest. I really thought that we were done. That first half had like I was dying, but I was watching with my sister, my brother-in-law, and a couple of friends, and they're like, "No, no, no! Like, don't give up yet. It's just bury the first half. There's tons of time." I'm like, I don't know, man, because this our defense is looking horrible. Pray just threw that pick. I uh, I wasn't feeling good at all, man. I was I was worrisome. My heart was through my heart rate was through the roof. Um just a lot of negative thoughts going through my mind uh during that time. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I don't blame you, man. I really don't. It was it was tough. It was tough. Um, and then after that, again, they take the interception. They go five plays, 46 yards, get a touchdown. It's 21-7. It's 21-7. And we're all thinking, holy crap, the, this Niners team that we just saw have this brilliant come-from-behind victory uh, last week is now down two scores to Detroit at home. So I, I was I was stressing um, because then after that, the Niners go three and out. Three plays, zero yards from their own 25, which I know all of us were kind of like, hmm, okay, that, that's a little weird. So that happens, and then the, the Lions get the ball with 4.59, basically five minutes left in the half. They go 17 plays. Mind you, all of you guys, and I'm sure you all remember, this drive included conversions on third and 12, third and 18, third and seven, and then they go for it on fourth and goal, or excuse me, they get stopped on third and goal and then end up kicking the field goal on fourth and goal. So I'm thinking the whole time this drive's going, we're all thinking, okay, Fortnite can get a stop, get the ball back, and then lap them, which is what Kyle Shanahan loves to do. Score at the end of half, score at the beginning of the next half. That didn't happen. That didn't happen at all. Uh, Dion, what, what are your thoughts when the Lions converted on those third and forevers and then end up with a field goal and basically drain the clock? It basically felt like we just couldn't stop them. It was like we would get them to third down, and I was all, I, and it, it got to a point in the first half where I just was like, well, they'll, they'll convert again. And they just kept converting. I, it was just frustrating to watch the defense get them to that point and then wind up not being able to shut them down. You know, that that I tell you right now, man, watching these games put some age on you. Um, you know, you'll great you'll get a couple more grays uh messing around with the 49ers. Um these last couple of games has just been uh heart stoppers. Um but the the thing was was right at the half it was like okay, Somebody in there has got to say something. Somebody's got to do something to get this team ready because it, it never it never makes sense. I know a lot of people don't like, you know, say, oh, well, this team doesn't need a rah-rah guy. Somebody did something. I, I don't care whether it was Nick Bosa. He goes, you know what we got to do? Or whether it was Fred with his fiery uh, starts to the game when he huddles everybody up. Whatever the case, somebody did something. I don't know if it was Kyle chewing everybody out. I know somebody said that uh, Kyle was whispering to Wilkes about his defense uh, in the first half. But honestly, Wilkes could have looked at Kyle and been like, don't talk to me about my defense. Talk to me about your offense. Don't come over here and tell me what to do, sir. Because your offense ain't looking that much that, that much better than my defense. So I think you need to, to check yourself, too. While we ain't while while we're over here, you know, struggling, y'all ain't looking much better. But yeah, it was it, it was frustrating, definitely frustrating when you saw them continually convert um, on third down. And I was just like, my 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 thoughts going into the half were: if the defense cannot pick it up and figure out how to stop this run and shut this team down, we basically did everything for nothing. We can't say nothing to no other team, no Cowboy fans or nothing. You know why? We're going to be at home sitting there watching just like dads. You know, what I thought about watching this game was the reason why the 49ers, we've experienced so many heartbreakers in the playoffs, whether it's with Harbaugh versus the Giants, 
uh, you know, versus the Rams a couple years ago versus Philly. Well, I guess Philly doesn't count for this analogy, but it's because they haven't had any of these blowouts. They've all been close games that you think, ah, if this one play goes differently, if this dude doesn't have a punt go off his knee, if, you know, he catches the interception. But I'm sitting there watching this, and I'm like, there's absolutely no, like, if this one or two things. They're getting whooped. They're getting out physical. They're not setting the edge. We got wide receivers blocking, you know, Chase Young and Nick Bosa. It was just completely unacceptable. So the 49ers get the ball after that 17-play drive with, you know, conversions on third and a million two or three times. And they have no choice but to take a knee. So they take a knee. They go into half down 24 to 7. And all of us are like, shit, man, this is going to be tough. And I, Mike, we're not in the chat with you. So I know you don't know this, but I would like to think, and I'm going to pat myself on the back here. I was one of the few that never gave up. And I actually said, don't worry, guys. We're going to witness the greatest comeback in franchise history right now. And I'll shout out Perry because Perry was the only one. Maybe he was maybe he was laughing at me and just messing with me. But he, he said, yes, we will. We're going to see it. And sure enough, the 49ers come out of the third quarter. They get the ball to start. And they go nine plays. They get all the way up to the Detroit 25, third and eight. And I'm thinking, here we go. We're going to convert. We're going to hit this. And unfortunately, Purdy kind of overthrows Juwan Jennings. I don't know if Juwan was on the same page or not. But they don't convert. So it's fourth down, and I'm like, shit. Here we go. Jake Moody, after he missed a field goal not too long ago, he's trotting back out here to kick, uh, what, from the, the 25 to 35? Or no, 25, yeah. But he makes it. He makes it. And I'm like, okay, we got a game. We got a game. It's 24-10. It's two-score game. I would have much rather have been 24-14, but I'll take 24-10. It's not that much different. Mike, I'm going to go back to you. After they get the field goal, what are your thoughts? Are you still very confident? Are you maybe a little less confident? How are you feeling? I was I was confident. So I did do a halftime show live, and uh, I started ripping the 49ers, right? And the person that I was on with, I don't want anyone throwing any unnecessary hate that way, was like, yeah, this game's over, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I'm like, come on, we go out there. Like, I, I was with them. We ripped them, we ripped them, we ripped them. But then I think that the viewers started, it started to be more Lion fans in there. It was o- almost 900 live viewers on the halftime show. I don't get that kind of support on lives. So I knew it was people ready to come in and hate. Yeah. So then I had to, you know, I had to get back in my bag at the very, very end of it. Oh, just so y'all know, it's still Niners, baby. We're not going to win by 20, but the Niners are going to come back and get this one. And what you wanted to see was some control on the offensive side of the ball. Right. And I was okay with losing at that point. I'll be honest with you. I, not that I wanted to lose. As long as we showed fight, just don't lay down. You know what I'm saying? Don't tuck tail. It's a lot of game left for y'all to just go out there and just play like yeah, you played the whole first half. I don't want to see these stupid turnovers. I don't want to see a successful touchdown drive that had more run plays and passing plays. And then you come out and throw the three out of the four plays afterwards and you throw a pick. I don't want to see that. Show me some consistency. Show me that you can adjust. Show me that you can at least compete. If we end up losing, we end up losing. But don't go out like that. And so we we come out the halftime. We drive down the field. The drive looks pretty good. Um, and then we settle for a field goal. One, I was extremely happy that Kyle had the confidence to run his kicker out there. The second thing was I love that it was lined up on the same hash side, the right side, 
that Moody seems to struggle with. Moody's kicks all seem to curve to the right. Here I am pointing to my left because it's inverted, but Moody's kicks all curve to the right. And I was like, he's going to do this again, just like the first one. He's going to miss wide right. But I love the fact that Kyle had the confidence. I said, if nothing else comes from this, Kyle says, I still believe in my players. He could have went for it. He could have tried to go for it, but he took that and, and took that opportunity to teach his kicker and his team something. It said, it said two things. One, I believe in the kicker. And even if he misses, I believe in the defense now. I think we made some adjustments. And so I was happy. Up to that point right there, I was like, all right, we're back in it now. The defense has to do something, though, and, and, and reward us here. The defense has got to show that they can hold. And I have your, your YouTube channel up on a separate tab. That video, that has video, has got like 6,000 views. Like, it was yeah. crazy. And I remember looking at it because I saw it pop up on my feed, and I thought, I wonder what they were like. So, I, again, you know, we're not in the, the Niners. You're not in the 49ers. So, I didn't really – we haven't really talked since the game. Uh, and I did see you end it with that. A lot of people were like, hey, at least credit to Mike. He still never lost the faith at the end. And I agree with David Yang here. I never felt that we couldn't score. I just felt like we couldn't stop the Lions on offense. I didn't necessarily feel like that much, but it was concerning because I'm like, even if it's like when you're down in basketball, right? You can't trade buckets if you're down 20 points with six minutes to go. Like you got to get buckets and then get stops on the other end. I was concerned with the 49ers ability to get stops on the other end. But little did I know the spirit of Patrick Willis and Deion Sanders and you know they're still alive but their spirits popped into the Levi Stadium locker room and possessed Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw yes go ahead Mike I just want to know I I just want to I know we're not at the very end do you guys feel like I I hate when people say it so I'm going to ask the question the way that I hate people say it the 49ers didn't win this game the Lions went out there and lost it do you guys feel like they kind of abandoned the run and led us back into this game because I would understand if people said that. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna say no, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because they tried running. Yes, should they have ran it more for sure. But when they did, suddenly they couldn't block any 49ers. There were two to three Niners players in the backfield instantly, and it's almost like like the the 49ers were sharks that had been getting punched in the nose. You know, they say if you see a shark, whack it in the nose. It's like there were like 20 uh, surfers out there jumping a shark. And the Sharks all beat up. And then one of the idiots like cuts his knuckle as he's punching in the last punch. And he starts bleeding. And the 49ers are the shark that smelled the blood in the water. It's almost like it smelled the fear. So it was a perfect like mixture of the 49ers who were trying, trying, trying. But then as soon as they smelled the blood, they were done for. The Lions hadn't been there. Younger team, younger coach. And the 49ers were like, we got this. It's easy. It's ours. Uh, Brandon, go ahead. Uh, don't you guys think it's kind of weird too how um, Journey was out there at halftime uh, performing "Don't Stop Believing" as well, and then out of nowhere, Niners just showed up and started balling out. That's I thought that point. was kind of interesting. <laughs> it is a good point. Yeah, and I, not only that. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Mike. You got it. You got it. Not only that, so we were live on our Patreon the whole game. And I swear to you guys, I queued up this thing. I did not see the halftime show. I didn't hear Journey out there or anything like that. But what I did queue up, I don't know if you guys remember years ago, that little basketball uh, team that was doing the, I, I, I believe, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I believe that. Bro, I played that shit over and over and over in the second half because every time we scored, I was like, guys, we got a shot. We're closing the gap. 
Oh, we're down by one score. Oh, it's a tie game. I was I was banging that joint, and I played the video at every commercial break because I sincerely felt like we got them. We yeah. got them on the ropes. Like this is it. Like this is this is what it was. We took their best shot, and the worst thing that we could have done to them is tie it up. But I know we're getting ahead of the score thing. So Dion, I'm sorry. <laughs> All I was gonna say was the 49ers have a lot of musical fans. If you know what I mean, okay? Going all the way back to the Joe Montana days, Huey Newton and the uh, uh, the news, um, or I don't think that's Huey Lewis. Name. Huey Lewis. There you go, Huey Lewis and, and, and yeah, those guys. They love the fuck. They love the Forty ers Like we have so many musical fans, it's insane. Two chains is randomly a Forty Nine fan. You know what I'm saying? The future. Yeah, you've got Forty. You've got Locksmith. You got Peter. Got Sweetie, you've got. We have so many musical fans. Um, heck, look at the wrestling, the Usos, they Daddy Rikishi. You know what I'm saying? Um, the Rock is a closet 49ers fan. He don't want to come out and say it, but he is. Like we celebrities love this squad, and you know if they come out and play, don't stop believing at the half. It's like that's almost an ode to the Niners to basically say in so many words. You still got a whole half of football. The game ain't over. Like it, my thing at halftime, honestly, was it's not out of reach, and at least we scored. I didn't like the fact of what happened, but I never lost hope. I was definitely worried. But I never lost hope that we could come back only because of knowing there's a whole half. Plus, we at least scored once in the first half. Like, like at least. If we didn't do that, if we didn't score at all in the first half, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'd have been down bad a lot worse. Because I'd have been like, damn, you can't go in 24 to nothing. And we all know Kyle's record when he goes into the, into the half or even into the fourth quarter losing. And nobody wants to deal with any of that. So it, it definitely worked out well, man. But it, it just – one thing I can say about our squad is we are very resilient. And at the same time, we have way more celebrity fans than you. There's not that – you don't – there's not other rappers out there repping their squads like that. Like Eminem showed up to the game. That's that that's good. I didn't see Trick Trick. I didn't see Royce the 5'9". I didn't see Big Sean. You know what I'm saying? There's There's some Detroit folks out there. Uh, shout out BMF Southwest T is out. I ain't see him at the game. I'm just saying, there's people in Detroit that could have been there, and Eminem was the only dude that showed up. <laughs> yeah, gave back to Zach, man. Yeah, no, it, it was funny. Um, and I, by the way, we saw the pictures of Eminem giving the bird to the fans, and the fans giving it right back. Uh, but yeah, look, this game was crazy. How Fastest switch. And it, it reminded me almost of the Eagles game, right? Where the 49ers go to Philly. It's this highly anticipated matchup. There's a bunch of shit talking on both sides. There's the what could have been in the championship vibes. And the 49ers lay an egg in the first quarter. It kind of felt like that. But as if only Philly had scored touchdowns each time they went down. So the 49ers yeah. holding them to, to field goals. Uh, unfortunately, they couldn't this time. But that's all right because it just made the comeback that much sweeter. So after the 49ers get their field goal to start the third quarter, the Lions go eight plays, 47 yards, down to the San Francisco 28. And it is fourth and two 
at the 28. Mind you, they're up 14. Another field goal puts it back to three scores. For some reason, well, I shouldn't say for some reasons because that's just his DNA. He's Dan Gamble. He goes for it. And when the 49ers couldn't stop a nosebleed, they passed the ball. And they pass the ball, and it falls incomplete. So they turn the ball over on downs. And the 49ers get it, go five plays, 72 yards. And that that is the play. That is the drive, excuse me, where uh, the the miracle, you know, the Ayuk, whatever they're trying to call it, the deflection, the immaculate deflection, the Ayuk – there's a ton of names for it. The catch five or four, whatever the hell we're at now. <laughs> the Brock Purdy drops back, sees Ayuk out there with, you know, Vildor in coverage, and he throws – it was an accurate pass, maybe a little overthrown, but Vildor did bump Ayuk to where it was would have been overthrown. And Vildor goes to catch it, and it hits him square in the face mask. And Ayuk, the ability to just stay focused – and almost have that Spider-Man sense of like slowing things down in present time. And he's able to catch the ball and not only catch it, but tuck his shoulder to where there's no debate. There's no question. Did the ball bounce? Did the ground help? No, no, no. He, this man tucks his shoulder, catches it with his back on the ground. And the 49ers are down to like the two yard line. As soon as that play happened, I said, we're winning this game. There's absolutely no way the 49ers are not coming back. That type of play goes down in history and NFL history. And that doesn't go down in a loss. Nobody remembers the T.O. catch or the Vernon Davis catch or Dwight Clark's catch in a loss. That's a winning play. So two plays later, who else but Brandon Ayuk gets open in the back of the end zone and Bernie Purdy delivers a dart. That ball came out a million miles an hour, you know, in between a safety and a corner, outstretched arms, didn't matter. That ball basically transported to Ayuk's chest. And just like that, fellas, it is 17 to 24. A 17 point lead has now been reduced to one score. And the 49ers kicked this. Mike, do you have something to add? I was just going to say this is the second 10 point swing in this game. So you guys got to remember when we missed our field goal, they score on that very same possession, right? So that's a 10-point swing. They went for it uh, instead of taking the three points, and we score on the very same possession. So now your 10-point swing gets wiped out. I just, I just thought that was so critical to the mindset of everybody in that stadium, everybody watching at home. Like it was like, oh, my God, here it is. Like this is – it felt like fate. From that moment on, like Zach said, it was incredible. Yep. Like I got, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it now. It's crazy. It was insane. It was absolutely insane. There's no other way to describe it. And, and you know, once that happens, the crowd and I want to credit the crowd forever. Who the hell ever had three grand to spend on a ticket for this game? They never went out of it. They never went out of this game. I don't care if they were down ten. 17, you know, went all the way up 17, doesn't matter. The crowd got loud, and as soon as that catch happened, you know, Kawakami, Jennifer Lee Chan, Mayoko, they said they never heard the crowd louder. So you feel the momentum. It's almost like it's tangible. Like you could grab it in the air right in front of your face. You could feel it from my living room shifting to the 49ers. It's a real thing. I don't know how to describe it. Anybody who knows sports knows it's real. 
And sure enough, what happens the very next play? The running back for the Lions, whose name is Jameer Gibbs, takes the handoff and goes into the pile. And Tashawn Gibson, I'll give him credit and say he was trying to punch that ball out. That man was trying to grab him with whatever he could. And what does he grab him by? The ball. Grabs him by the ball. The ball pops out. And who else but Eric Armstead, the longest tenured 49er, is right there to fall on it. Yo, I'm screaming at my TV. I can't believe what I just saw. I'm thinking God is a 49ers fan. There's no other way this could happen. We get that lucky catch two plays later. Jameer Gibbs is fumbling. By the way, shout out to Steve Wilkes because afterwards he was saying, we noticed 2-6 carries the ball kind of loose. So all week I was telling the guys, punch it out. You're going to get one. It came at the perfect moment. Deshaun Gibson, such a heads-up veteran play to punch that ball out. Uh, Christian, I'm going to throw it back to you. What's your reaction when that happens? Uh, dude, I w- so I was on the plane, right? I was flying back from Florida to Utah watching the game. And so I can't really cheer. I have to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, my wife's sitting next to me, and I'm like, I, you know, we just scored. And after, you know, after we scored, after that catch, I thought for sure. I thought, okay, we're probably going to win this, right? And then the first play happens. And I just, the first thing is I turn to my wife. I'm like, he followed the ball. We got the ball. We're going to tie it. We're going to tie it. We're going to win this game. And I'm like, that I literally, because I couldn't scream and yell or get excited because I'm sitting on a plane. And if I act like an asshole, then I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like we're going to tie it. We're going to tie it. And and I just, I was just ecstatic. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I couldn't believe the way the momentum swung and how everything that needed to happen just happened. I was like, as soon as we got that fumble, I knew we were winning. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just dude. like, I knew we were winning after we after after we got that fumble. I was like, "Yep, we're winning this game." Yeah, there's there's absolutely no excuse for it other than that's the way things were destined to be. That's why I keep telling you guys this is destiny. Before I get into this, we got a super chat from our guy Gray Fox one ninety eight. He said, I was at the game, and when the fumble happened, I grabbed my wife with both my hands, Sugar. Momentum has shifted. We're going to the Super Bowl. I need you to scream with me for the rest of the game. The team needs you. That's right, Gray Fox. Man, that's awesome you were at the game. That's that's fantastic. And I want to shout out Ash because as stressed as I was, this woman was sitting there on her phone, not a care in the world. And it's not because she doesn't care, but she's like, I don't, I don't believe we're going to lose this game. Like, I don't care how bad it looks they're coming back. Like they're just so con. She was so confident and that instills some confidence in me and my dad too. My dad's like an hour and a half South. He's texting me every play that's happening. Like, don't worry. We got this. It's our game. It's coming back. Our game, our time. That's kind of our saying our game, our time. So this is instilled in my head, right? There's no way the 49ers are losing this game. I don't care how bad it gets. And as soon as they get this fumble recovery, they they're already at the Detroit 24. Purdy hits, you know, Kittle. It's a one-yard loss. Purdy, this is when we start to see his legs kind of turn in and make it make it a factor. Scrambles for 21 yards all the way up to the Detroit four-yard line. And by the way, Debo, if you don't move your fat ass next time, Purdy's scrambling. That man ran right into the back of him. He hit him right in the cheeks, and he goes down. If Debo gets out of the way or tries to pick up a block maybe, Purdy's running right into the end zone untouched. But 
that's for another story. It's another day. So he goes down all the way to the four yard line and the what? Well, one play Debo gets kind of the end around gets all the way to the one. I thought for sure he was getting in lions did a good job, but two plays later, McCaffrey punches it up the middle and suddenly it's a tied game. It's a tie game. There's 24 to seven game. And somebody commented in here earlier, eight minutes. It took eight minutes for this game to turn around and become a tie game. And Ian Sharp put it here, 27 unanswered points, 27 unanswered points. This is like Madden shit. This is like shit I haven't seen in life. And I love how they're like talking about how like, yeah, this has never happened before. Well, uh, actually the Niners did it one time in 20, 2012 to the Falcons. But other than that, like, can we stop acting like this is not a big, I feel like I've been gaslit for an entire like year and a half now. Like, uh, party's not that good of a quarterback. Uh, you know, oh, 17 points. Eh, seven points isn't really a comeback. We just witnessed the biggest f- comeback in NFC Championship game history. And it would be the biggest if it wasn't for ourselves. Like, we did it once earlier. And if not for us, nobody's done this shit. So stop gaslighting me. This is a hell of a comeback. It's never happened before outside of ourselves. So this happens. Go ahead, Dia, please. So let me say this, man. To all of you people that watch Fox, watch old Skip Bayless, surrounded by all those brothers, and the only person on the show that seems to like to defend us is Mr. Richard Sherman himself. Keyshawn, I'm going to need you to shut up and stop trying to talk about how bad Purdy is. Ryan Clark, you had to eat your words. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Pat McAfee, continually defended Brock. You know, there was an ex-49er who defended Brock as well. And he said he's not in the game manager's club. He said he's not allowed because he doesn't do game manager things. When Alex Smith, the king, the unofficial president of the game manager's club comes out and tells you this young man doesn't belong because he's too great, that tells you something. At the end of the day, what you got to stop doing, people, is knocking greatness when it's right there in your face. You see it. The number one thing that I love that Brock did, because I can tell you right now, you know, he, he was pissing me off in the first half. You know why? Standing in the damn pocket. He's standing there. Stop standing there. The pocket's collapsed, bro. It's time to move. Nope. You want to stand in the pocket? Keep delivering the ball. No. When the pocket collapses, move. You're actually pretty good on the move. Last time I checked, Kyle, why didn't you bootleg Brock a little more? He's really good at that. You know what I'm saying? Second half come, that man start using his legs. I'm sorry for all of you people out there that hate on Brock Purdy. You need to stop hating on the greatness. Now, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to preface it by stating this. I am not saying Brock Purdy is Jesus Christ in any way, shape, or form, because none of us are for those of us do who do believe. But the young boy got an anointing on him in some way, shape, or form, because there ain't no way he keeps pulling off these miraculous victories, and it's just that. The IU catch, to me, I don't call that luck. I call that focus. He stayed through the play. Luck would be him being at least a good five, six yards away and running and jumping to make that catch. That man saw that ball in the air and did not give up, not once. And you saw Ayuk bail Brock Purdy out in the first half. Why? Because he overthrew him. And what did Ayuk do? 
what every good receiver should do. He turned it to a defensive back and knocked the ball down. So my thing is, if you can do that, and you can go into the second half knowing you have a real daunting task and come out on top and not waver, like, come on, people, what else do you want? The man leads the league in all of the, all of the statistical categories that say you throw the ball over 20 yards, all kinds of stuff. And you still have a continual doubt that this young man is the guy. I don't need him to be Patrick Mahomes. I don't need him to be Tom Brady. I don't need him to be Josh Allen or Lamar. I need him to be him. So while everybody was defending old worthless Jimmy G and calling him Hemi G and all that stupid crap, that he was never him. If you want to call somebody him, it's Brock Purdy. And I call him Brock the Glock because I ain't calling him none of that other stuff other people be calling him. I ain't calling no other man that ever in my life. I can't do it. Sorry. But you have to see the greatness in front of you and stop acting like you blind to it. Like you can be bad all you want, but the continual hate? What else does this young man, if he goes out and win the Super Bowl, I guarantee there's going to be some still some bullshit. It's going to still be, oh, well, you know, he didn't do this great. Well, he didn't do that great. What are, what are we talking about? The young man figured out a way to start bringing us back in game. So that narrative is shut down. He throws the ball well over 20 yards. That narrative is shut down. He wins. And he does it in a better fashion than anybody we've had in the last couple of years. I can tell you right now with all 1,000% certainty, if that was Jimmy in that game, we lose. I know it. He don't have it in him. Mm -hmm. Brock does. And when we go in and play against the Kansas City Chiefs, the minute something seems off to him, he's going to take shit into his own hands. And when we win that Super Bowl, I'm laughing at everybody. I'm laughing in people's faces. I'm talking shit. Hell, I might get into a couple of fights just because of how cocky I'm going to be when we get that brain. But you got to let go of the hate. The young man gives you way too much good things to talk about. And all you can do is try to focus on the fact, oh, he's not this guy and he's not that guy. I don't need him to be them. I don't care about those other teams. I care about this team right here on my damn hat. It's simple. Let the hate go. Embrace the greatness that is right there in your face, people. Christian, you have something to add? I was just going to say Mike. it's kind of funny. He even like how Dion said, if even if he wins, he'll still get it. I'm like, even if he wins, he's going to get the Eli Manning treat, treat, uh, treatment after Eli beat Brady in 07. They did the same thing to him, which is kind of I think funny because it's like a lot of people have been saying that you know Purdy's about to be. Uh, Eli, uh, Eli Manning, uh, you know, he's going to be the Eli Manning to Mahomes Brady. So it's just kind of funny that connection because Eli got that treatment after winning his first Super Bowl. So I, I think, I think Brock will definitely get that same treatment even if he wins. Yep. Mike. And to both of those gentlemen's points, the script is already written. We go out there and we win this game. They're going to say, well, Christian McCaffrey had 150 yards. Debo had 100 all-purpose yards. You know, like, the, the, it's already written. 
the better he does, the more they can credit other people. Because if Brock throws for 350, someone out there is going to have 100 plus. Someone out there is going to have 80 plus. You know what I'm saying? Like it, they're going to still attribute it to other people. We got to stop giving a fuck what they say. We got to just start laughing and people say, that's how you feel? Cool. What, what, what did the other quarterback do in that game? In the same game, what did that quarterback do? Y'all want to take it away from them? Cool. I hear you. But what did the other people do? Th these guys didn't throw their own passes and catch them. Right? I saw one quarterback do that this whole postseason, and he went home with <laughs> his ass went home, right? Like that. So I, if, if that's what y'all are going to hang your hat on, him not being able to throw passes to himself, then cool. You just you have to admit at a certain point you're just hating. And we, but we have to be ready for it because that's all they're going to do. And shout out to the ladybugs that landed on Brandon Ayuk. Hell yeah, yeah man. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, talking about that, just a quick side note. I posted this. I posted two things I want to talk about. One, I posted earlier, you know, to be honest, Brock hasn't really been that impressive. I'm sorry. Like, until he throws a deep pass to himself in the corner of the end zone, it's nothing. It's not good. And that started an entire thread of people saying, I can't believe Brock still needs plays called for him. I can't believe Brock still needs a left tackle to block. Like, it's basically what these people are saying, you know, like until he could do X, Y, and Z himself. And, and but I want to talk about what Mike talked about there. The other game, which had the reigning MVP and the presumptive MVP, the quarterback play was pretty ugly. Outside of the opening driver, Patrick Mahomes made a hell of a throw to Travis Kelsey where only he could, could put it. Patrick Mahomes had like 68 yards passing in the entire second half. He threw the ball 39 times and was 30 for 39, 241, one touchdown. Lamar, 20 for 37, two, 272, one touchdown, one pick. And, and these people are applauded. And I posted it earlier, too. It seems like Brock Purdy is being criticized more after leading his team down 17 to a 34 point, 34 to 31 victory than Lamar is for only putting up 10 points and in what was mostly a one-score game. Apparently, that's just okay. That's just, ah, well, you know, it happens. But Purdy can play lights out for an entire half of football after, yeah, struggling in the first half. It, it, it makes no sense to me. And again, you know how they feel about Brock Purdy when you see who they compare him to. Well, Patrick Mahomes, well, Tom Brady, well, Peyton Manning. So you agree he's in these conversations because you're not talking about it if he's not. You're not saying, you know, well, my Civic can keep up with that Lamborghini. You know, like you're not, that's not a conversation anybody's having. So you can tell how they really feel, even if they want to deny it and, and try and belittle Brock Purdy's accomplishments by who they compare him to. Um, all right, let's get back to this game because after the 49ers. Wait, Lefty, Lefty had a comment too. I saw, I saw. Oh, Christian, you have something to say? Oh, Christian, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to say, based off your point, really, we're going to see the epitome of all that when they give Lamar the MVP, and it's going to be the most statistically underperforming MVP in history because they refused to give it to Brock, right, who had who was way better, or even McCaffrey, right, who was extremely dominant in, as a running back. So everything you're saying is just going to be epitomized when they give Lamar the MVP. So that'll pretty much explain it all. They don't actually care who, who's the best and who has the numbers, right? They just all about the narrative. Yep. 
100%. By the way, I want to address this real quick. Ravens were undisciplined. Ian Sharp says, this I've never seen so many pieces of bait being put out there by a team and so many times the opposing team falling for it. The Ravens were emotionally, physically, schematically, psychologically baited and they fell for it every time. From pregame, kicking Justin Tucker's shit away to Zay Flowers taunting Zay Flowers press the ball. By the way, I don't want to see a single Niners player push that ball into the end zone with their hands. We've seen Chiefs do it in back-to-back games, cause a fumble, and cost the team seven points. So nobody reached for that damn ball unless it's fourth and goal and you need it. Um, but, yeah, the Ravens were extremely undisciplined. But back to this game. I keep going on these sidetracks. We got Sorry. a super chat real quick from Gray Fox. Yes, yes. Uh, Gray Fox, 2019 was Infinity War and 2023 is Endgame. Mahomes is Thanos and we're the Avengers. Perfect. Well put. Great Fox, man. Hey, bro. Does that make pretty cool. Oh, my God. I like that. I like that. That's just, yes. Does that make pretty Captain Marvel? Because that's who was missing the first. That was perfect. But all right. So back to this game. After the 49ers tie this game up 24 24, their defense, who couldn't stop a leaky faucet up until this you know, third quarter, forces a three and out. The Lions go rush for no yards, incomplete pass, incomplete pass. And by the way, that third down incomplete pass, Josh Reynolds was open. It just bounced off his hands, if I remember correctly. So they go three and out. The pressure's clearly getting to them. They haven't been here before, not used to it. It's completely different. Three and out, they have to punt from their own 20. The 49ers get the ball, go 11 plays. They take up seven minutes of this third quarter, which goes into the fourth quarter. Seven plays, 65 yards, in which we see more of Brock Purdy's of scrambling ability. It was second and six. He scrambles for 10 yards. Unfortunately, he gets sacked twice after that. I want to talk about this third to 19, though. It's third and 19 at the Detroit 22-yard line. And the 49ers call a play I haven't really seen run before. Maybe I've missed it. But it's basically a shallow screen pass. So Debo Samuel comes from the furthest right. Brock Purdy gets the ball to him, and he has McCaffrey, Kittle, and Ayuk, all lead blockers. And I guarantee, guys, you got to go watch this play. This play works if McCaffrey holds his block. Unfortunately, McCaffrey couldn't hold his block for long enough Debo damn near gets 10 yards as it is, but it ends up being, you know, fourth down, fourth and 12. Jake Moody comes back out for a 33-yard attempt, and I'm sweating bullets. But at the same time, I'm thinking, this shit's already been written. We saw you go down. We saw a fumble happen. Now we just saw a three and out. This man could kick a 60-yarder, and he's going to make it. Sure enough, never a doubt, straight down the middle, Jake Moody hits this field goal. And gentlemen, at... 9.52 left in the fourth quarter. The 49ers take their first lead of the NFC Championship game. The first lead. If you would have told me that Saturday, I would have punched you in the mouth. But they get their first lead with just under 10 minutes in the fourth quarter. And they punt this ball back. Before I do, Mike, how are you feeling now? They just got the lead. We're finally vindicated. We're, not, we're no longer looking like crazy fans who always say our team's going to win. They just took the lead back. How you feeling? No, the game is over at this point. It 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 is so far over. 
Uh, you know, and you didn't have to take it from me. You have to take it from any of the faithful out there. You can go back to Dan Campbell pregame. And they asked him, how do you feel about this game? What's it going to be? He's like, they're a good team. It's a well-respected team. It's a race to 30. Those were his words, not mine, not anybody that represents the 49ers. Dan Campbell's own words. It's a race to 30. Well, guess what, buddy? <laughs> guess what? Guess who got to 30 first? You guys gave yourselves a nice little lead, too. 24 to 7. And guess who got to 30 first? Sorry, not sorry. You you put it out there in the atmosphere. You spoke it into existence. The game was over. I never had a single piece of doubt. I looked at how much time was left in the game. I said, even if they go down there and score, they can't stop us on offense. This game is over. This whole second half has been all us on offense. This game, I, I didn't even, I didn't care what they did and how they did it. They did not have a nine-minute sustaining drive in them for that game. I didn't care if they scored or not. It didn't make a difference to me at all. From that moment on, the game was over. I said, because no matter what happens, you go down there and you drive and you get a touchdown, you're giving the Niners the ball back with too much time, and we're going to win it. I had no doubt in my mind from that moment forward. It was over. So does, that, does anybody else have anything to share before I, before I go to the next drive? No? Okay. All right. Go ahead, Christian. Go ahead. I can say I was still a little nervous. I was like, we need, I was hoping for a touchdown. We got the field goal. Yeah. And then I'm like, all right, we got to, we got we, we to get this ball back and get one more score. So I can feel comfortable. Yeah. I was still say, nervous. Say. I was hoping for a touchdown. I'm like, they can't be able to stop 49 hours all half. They're going to go down, go up. What would it be? Uh, 30. I just had the score here. It would have been, let's see, 24, 20, 31, 24. But instead they're only up three. Well, the Lions get the ball back, get a touchback, which shout out to Moody. We actually got touchbacks in this game. We didn't see him kicking dumbass kicks to the corner or short. They were all out of the end zone. Uh, and the Lions go six plays, 45 yards in two minutes. Um, you know, deep pass to Jameson Williams for 22 yards. Uh, Montgomery, a 16-yard run. And then they get to the San Francisco 37 Jared Goff kind of checks it down to St. Brown on the right flat. And you see like six Niners within two seconds are on him. Fred Warner jumps on him. His feet aren't even on the ground. And this man's being taken along for the ride for the tackle. He's about five yards short. Uh, they, they officially rolled seven, three yards short. So he got seven before he got pushed back. And for some reason, down three at the 49ers 30, Dan Campbell says, I'll do it again. Dare me. I'll do this shit again. I will choke this game away twice. And he doesn't go for the field goal. He elects to go for it. Down three in the championship game with seven and a half minutes left. And the 49ers, shout out to Javon Kinlaw. I have not said that much. He played very well in this game. Didn't show up on the stat sheet. But the reason for this and other plays that went in the 49ers' favor is because he just completely blew up the middle of that line. And that man's forcing Jared Goff to roll out to his right. If you force Jared Goff to move from his pocket, 90% of the time it's going to be incomplete or interception. Go ahead. Go ahead, Christian. That play was all Greenlaw, though. Afterwards, yes, yes. Oh, I know what I mean, though, is like, that was all, and it was really Wilkes. That 
play design. About it was perfect. Where they faked man, they faked man coverage, made Goff think he was going to have Gibbs, and then they were going to try to pick Greenlaw, mm-hmm. and it's not there because we go back into zone, and then and then you flush Goff out and he has nowhere to go. That that was some nasty ass freaking play design right there. That's all I got to say. Like the chess match perfect. between the that was amazing. Especially after you know we've all critiqued Steve Wilkes. But even when everything's going as designed, this defense isn't really known for moving. It's a very static defense. There's not late rotations. The safeties don't drop. They're kind of just what they are. They're there. It's a complete opposite of the offense where there's you know motion, shifts. That's not the case of the defense. But on this play, Christian, you're 100% right. He It was looked to be a you know man, and then they switched at the very last second. Jared Goff's completely tripped out. I assume he threw that ball to St. Brown. It falls like four or five yards in front of him. He's like he didn't get picked. Uh, but it doesn't matter because it was fourth down. The Niners get the ball back up three. They have a chance to go up two scores. Two scores after being down 17 points like 10 minutes ago. And what do they do? They do exactly that, gentlemen. They go seven plays, 70 yards, take up another four and a half minutes. And this is another drive where we see – you know, McCaffrey seven yard run. Purdy hits Debo for another eight yards. McCaffrey two yard run. McCaffrey catches another four yard pass, and it's third and four, just about midfield. And Brock Purdy eludes a rusher, steps up, escapes, I believe, Anzalone, and scrambles for 21 yards. All of a sudden, insane. He gets. All the way, sorry if you saw me jump, the damn ad on ESPN just started going off, scared the hell out of me. Uh, But he's going all the way down. He gets all the way down to, I just had it here, the Detroit 28. So third and fourth to 49, 21 yard. And George Kittle, I think, said it best. He scampers. He doesn't really run. He kind of scampers. He's like a water dragon. And that's exactly what it was. And what happens on the very next play? Well, Christian McCaffrey run gets 25 yards. And this is where we see Christian McCaffrey get tossed like on his head. It was kind of weird, but he gets flipped over right onto his head. And he comes up telling Kyle, give me a minute. I need a minute. No worries, because we actually have other running backs, even though Kyle Shanahan apparently doesn't know that until one gets hurt. And we see Elijah Mitchell come in for his like only carry of the day up until that point. And he gets right into the end zone. And just like that, guys, the Niners are up nine, about to be up 10, because Jake Moody does hit that extra point. Because, of course, he does. And they're up 10 points with three minutes to go. How y'all feeling? Who wants to go Who wants to go first? How you guys feeling once this happens? Dion. So, I like what you said about Kyle not realizing the ads of the running backs. Because that's what actually drives me up the wall. We have three viable options. I still, it's baffling to me how you haven't mixed in everyone. And everyone keeps saying, well, if you got CMC, why, why would you? Why would you take him off the field? I do it just to confuse people. You don't know what you're getting with Elijah Mitchell. You don't know what you're getting with Jordan Mason. But from what I heard in training camp, I thought they were training those guys to do everything CMC could do so they don't skip a beat if one of them has to come in. 
So if that's the case, then why don't you use them? Elijah's actually healthy. And we all know when Elijah is actually healthy, he really does good things. But he usually isn't ever healthy, so we don't really ever get to see him like that. Mason has proven time and time again throughout this year he's well worth giving a couple carries to. So do I get it? Sometimes, but most of the time I don't. And the end of this game just showed you that the team is resilient. We will never give up. We'll never say die. We're not going quietly into the darkness that we were going to punch our way out of this. This was a heavyweight fight, and we had to slug it out. The first couple of rounds, we was getting our butts whooped. And then after that, you know what we did? We tanked Davis did. We gave you them first couple of rounds. Now we done figured it out. Now I know how to go for my kill shot. And my favorite play of the game was just watching C.J. Gardner-Johnson be buried into the ground by the stiff arm. You're waving goodbye at halftime. Bozo. Oh, idiot. You'd never wave goodbye at halftime, ever, because it's only halftime. If that would have been the fourth quarter with one minute left and you wave goodbye, I wouldn't knock you. You know why? Game's over. Ain't no hope. You can't pull off them kind of comebacks in one minute. But you have a whole 30 minutes left of football, and you think that it's over. Uh, don't look good for you now, bro. All that mess you were talking. Oh, oh look at that. Look at him. Look at him. I got it. Look at watches. Look at that stiff arm. Sir, I'm going to need you to stop trying to tackle me. Go away. Need you to calm down. Look at this. Oh, my God. Perfect. He got the palm right in the face. He went right up. That man just. Oh, that's that's the perfect, perfect time. That's the perfect time you use the. the um, the video from the longest yard. I'm saying, That's how a white man runs the football. And <laughs> BA, they you right your now. bum ass down. Right? BA himself is a monster. And thank God that man got arms like an orangutan. Because he would have been able to get to that ball if he didn't. That boy got some long, long arms. And I know Mike over there dying, but it's the truth. He got some long-ass arms, boy. You know that. You know that. <laughs> but, hey, man, shout-out to the deep. Shout-out to Kinlaw, man. I don't know what's been going on with this kid, but I think the fact that he is rotational has helped his career because he is now finding a way to make plays. And he has just been quietly balling. He ain't had to say nothing, do nothing. He just comes in, does his job, and keeps on pushing and I love every second of it, man. I think that this is a really good defense. We have to find a way to stop the run, though, because I don't need Isaiah Pacheco running all over us. But I'm telling you right now, man, toward the end of that game, when I saw everything, the only thing that probably disappointed me was that last touchdown that we gave up. But knowing that it actually didn't hurt us and there was no real hope for them to come back, it's like, eh. All right, but I love how B.A. fell right on top of Kittle. You are not about to pull a Dre Green all. Lay your ass down and stay down. Like, he fell right on top of him. Uh, he's probably telling him in his ear, don't go nowhere. Don't try to get up. I need you to stay here, right here. Don't move. And that's how we sealed the deal, baby. It, yeah. So, Mike, do you have something to add? 
I wanted to defend Kyle a little bit, and I don't normally do this, but the Christian McCaffrey thing and why he won't rotate people. In a must-win game, and just how things have been going, we we have to remember that we can we we all watch football and we want to see like mano a mano, right? We believe like our roster is better than their roster. Let's just go toe-to-toe and overpower them, and we have good depth and we can run the ball and all that. But Kyle's game isn't just my guys versus your guys. It's psychological against the opposing defensive coordinator. And so when you run a guy like Christian McCaffrey out there, you have to be mindful of, is he going to go out? Is he going to run a route? His hands and route running are better than those of Elijah Mitchell, definitely better than Jordan Mason, right? So it's like a psychological thing. I get it. Now, when the game is closer, you know what I'm saying? When we're playing one-score games, I, I understand that. Like, Kyle, come on, let's mix them in. Let's give let's give CMC a rest. One, if if CMC is wired like the way I think he's wired, he's like, bro, I'm not tired. What are you pulling me out for? You're going to have to, like, really pull this kid off the field. But the second thing is, I feel like Kyle feels he might be tipping his hand a little bit. He's not going to have Elijah Mitchell running out a lot. You know, if he lines up in the backfield and then, all right, break him out wide, motion him out, and have him running a route where the ball is actually going to go to him. You know what I'm saying? So I think Kyle likes to play these psychological games, and it's just another thing, one more little tiny factor that opposing defenses and coordinators have to keep in mind with him on the field versus any of the other guys that the, that Kyle could use to spell him. Now, if we got a two, three-score lead, even if we got a, a small 10-point lead, right, like we had, you know, uh, then it's like, cool, go ahead and use him. But I kind of understand Kyle not pulling him out in this game until he absolutely had to, and then letting Mitchell go out there and seal the deal because he didn't have a choice at that point. Okay. All right. Uh, comment here. Yeah. Lions were trying to hurt Purdy. Did you guys see him stepping on his knee? There were there was a video going around. Um, could be deliberate. In my opinion, it looks a little deliberate after Purdy scrambled. You know, I think that last time, I forget which Lions player, Brian Branch maybe, is kind of running up and – he could easily have not stepped on his knee. He does step on his knee. Purdy walks away. His whole socks ripped and his legs bloody. There was another play earlier where he took the back-to-back sacks where Houston, you know, Purdy's already down and Houston goes and not only falls on him, but helmet to his face to the point where Purdy had a bloody lip after. It was a pretty, you know, I guess, what do you expect from a team who's coached by a man who's telling them to bite kneecaps and, take ankles and whatnot. I know he didn't mean it literally, but it's like, if that's the mentality, maybe that's what we're seeing here. So luckily nobody got hurt. We all got out. And by the way, I just want to talk end this little segment with CJ Gardner. Johnson was the lowest graded player with the uh, PFF score of 33.9. He talked all that shit all year. Yep. Told Debo, I, you can't stick with me. You're a running back. You can't run routes. Well, one of them had a good game, and it wasn't CJ, GJ, whatever the hell they call his ass. So uh, have a good offseason, Bozo. Wave into the crowd at halftime. I, I posted, he's just going to Cancun early. And I was just announcing his exit. He's taking off. So, yeah, Dion alluded to it. The Lions do get the ball back. The 49ers at this point are just playing a prevent defense. They're up two scores. Nothing matters. The Lions go down to the red zone, run the ball on third down like idiots, and they have to call their timeout. They do score on fourth down, but now they only have two timeouts. So the 49ers only have to hand the ball off twice. 
and then they can take a knee because they can't stop the clock after that. I, I skipped ahead. They do the, the the onside kick. It gets pushed forward. Luckily, Kittle recovers it. It would have been illegal touching either way. I thought it was sweet poetic justice because two years ago, if you all remember, week one, George Kittle fumbled that onside kick and the Lions recovered. Not this time. Kittle fell on it. It was sweet. So I just want to share the stat. I want to get your guys' thoughts on this game before we start to wrap up here. But in the fourth quarter, excuse me, in the second half, Brock Purdy, after struggling in the first half, throwing an interception, second half goes 13 for 16, which includes throwaways, by the way. 13 for 16, 174 passing yards. 50 rushing yards. It's 49, but he lost one on a, on a kneel down at the end. 50 rushing yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, no turnovers, and a pass rating of 132.8. Lights out. I mean, lights out when you had to have it, when every throw, every possession, everything counted. Brock Purdy was as good as you could ask him to be. Uh what were your guys' thoughts on it, Mike? We can start with you. What, what were your thoughts on Purdy's second half performance? Yeah, Purdy's second half performance made the 49ers the most dangerous team in the NFL. It, it's to me, it's it is that simple. They said we couldn't come back from behind, blah blah blah. Yeah, it's cool. I believe that when we had Jimmy, Niners aren't a team that's going to play from behind a lot. It's it's not a good thing. Uh, that that second half showed you can never, you can officially never count this team out it's over those days are behind us and this reminds me of i, I hate to compare but it reminds me of that chiefs super bowl uh that they won against us the first year in every one of those games they were down two scores in every one of those postseason games they were down two scores now granted the niners weren't down two score against the uh the packers it was only seven but we at some point had to come from behind to win both of these postseason games and they went on to victory the Niners are doing that this year. They're doing that this postseason game. Now, we said it earlier, I can't deal with that in the Super Bowl. I literally might have a heart attack if we, if we get down like that again. But I won't give up. I definitely won't give up. And neither will the opposing team because they know you got to play us tough for four quarters now. And that was the kind of performance that if that doesn't silence the Brock Purdy haters, literally nothing will. Nothing will. So we just got to accept it and, and keep it pushing. Yeah. And by the way, after not having a single comeback victory all regular season, the 49ers have now had two back-to-back, and one of them being tied for the biggest ever. So uh, if anybody else had any thoughts on Brock Purdy's second-half performance, Brandon, Dion, Christian? Oh, yeah. I'll say this. Brock came out at that second half, and I called him Brock the Glock Purdy. So – he came out with the Glock ready ready and loaded and was out there firing off, you know, shots left and right. And the one thing that I can say is, man, the the relationship between Brock Purdy and Brandon Ayuk is very special because they both tell each other pretty much most of the time, I'm going to be great for you. And they return that back to each other on a consistent basis. When you see what they've done this year, the connection that they have, it's unlike anything you've ever seen. When he points, hey, I see you. No, go here. And then here's the ball. When he darts that that pass in for that touchdown pass, who else is going to catch that? 
I, it just made so much sense. His second half performance was a sight to behold. I was extremely proud of Brock for doing what he needed to do and making those things happen. And really quickly, I got to say this, man. Lions fans, do not be sad about your season. You guys have a lot to look forward to. You guys have a very promising future ahead of you. Like, and I, I mean that in all sincerity. No, not like no malice intended when I say that. I'm saying dead ass. Y'all really have a good team. And you do have a good a good thing to look forward to. It wasn't this year because you came up against the buzzsaw that is the 49ers. And you thought you had us, but you know, looks like almost like the 49ers were playing possum. And in the second half, they decided to show up and say, All right, man, it's time to stop playing with them. Let's go ahead and smack them right in the mouth, let them know what's going on. But Brock's second half performance, exactly what Mike said is it, it are my sentiments. If that does not silence the haters, I don't know what will. He could go, just like Mike said earlier, he could go into uh, the Super Bowl and throw 450 yards and five damn touchdowns, and it'll still be about who caught the touchdowns, and it was Kyle's scheme, and, well, look at the line, and look at Debo, look at Kittle, and look at that. It'll be everybody else but him. And I just I'll I'll never understand it, but I'll tell you this. I you can't scream and deep ball me no more. Cause it's happening. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh before I get Christian Brand, I just want to share this real quick. Yeah. In the second half, Brock Purdy threw 450 yards or more, rushed for 45 yards or more, completed 80% of his passes, averaged 10 or more yards per rush, had zero turnovers. No other quarterback in the last 30 years had done all of that in a single half of football in the regular season or postseason. Shout out to Opta Stats for that stat. So not only do the 49ers have a tied for biggest comeback ever in this championship game, Brock Purdy set records too by having that second half performance. It was just amazing. It was amazing. Can't believe what we saw. Brandon, go ahead. No, I was just going to say uh, Brock had one phenomenal comeback um, in the second half. Um, ain't nobody thought of him running how much he did in that game. And people, and especially in the media, were saying, like, man, he's looking like Lamar Jackson out there the way he's running. So, um, you know, this this makes me happy. I'm excited to see him in the Super Bowl. Um, and – Going back to um, the the critics uh, bashing on him, it's still going. Now they're saying he has to win the Super Bowl to sh- shut the critics up. So, I mean, it is what it is. Screw what the media says. We know what our quarterback is, and he's phenomenal. Point blank and period. Yeah, well said. Uh, Christian, do you have anything to add? Yeah, um... The only thing I thought after the end of the game, I just was my, I was like, that's the comeback kid right there. Ice in his veins. That was how guys said those exact two things. And uh, one, I think my favorite nickname that I've heard so far for Brock, though, is on the show, Great Carton. He calls him the machine. I freaking love that nickname. I, I don't know. I'm surprised it's only been him and it hasn't really stuck. No, and most people haven't noticed. But yeah, the machine makes the most sense. Because he freaking 
he he does everything and he he's never has any emotion right to the fact where he doesn't get rattled it's it's a perfect i think it's a perfect uh name for him i like that i like that a lot um yeah it, it was just an amazing game that will stand the test of time this is something that we'll be able to rewatch and especially because the 49ers in a week and a half are going to go on to win the Super Bowl, it's just going to be even that much more. I mean, this is a, a team of destiny type shit. Like these, that's the only type of wins that happen like this is if that team is destined to go on and win it all. So it, everything's falling into place. Um, by the way, Gray Fox, if you're in here, our guy Joey made this image that I wanted to share for you since you brought up uh, Endgame and. The Avengers. Let me see if I can. There we go. There's Brock as Thanos with the Chiefs player fading into the background. Do not wish any harm on this young man. This is just purely comic book like. We're not saying he's going to be murdered by Brock Purdy. That's uh, why yeah. I put it in the chat that Brock had to be Iron Man. Yep. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Brock had to be Iron Man. I have to I have to give Kyle uh Doctor Strange because that motherfucker be off his rocker every now and then. Got nothing but love for him, but he 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 just be a little crazy here and there. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I had to I I gave Hulk to Nick Bosa just because of his sheer size. Now you can split Hulk between Bosa and Debo, because Debo crazy as hell. Um, you know, when he runs, but I mean it just when you look at the Avengers, you can find spots for everyone. And I'm, I'm sorry, I made Dre Greenlaw. Dre Greenlaw is Black Panther. I had to give him that. You know what hey, I'm saying? Kyle makes, more, Kyle makes more sense as the Hulk, though, because when he's Bruce Banner, he's freaking smart and freaking amazing. And then when he's the Hulk, he's unruly and all over the damn place. Well, yeah, no, nah, I, can't, I can't give him that, only because the reason that I gave him Doctor Strange is because though Doctor Strange may have a couple moments where he's off his rocker, he's extremely intelligent. And uh, Hulk is intelligent when he is who he is. But here's the difference. Hulk has always been, as Bruce Banner, he is a quiet, reserved individual. Who is Nick Bosa? Quiet and reserved individual. But you wouldn't like to see him when he's angry. Mike, Jerry, did I? I'd call Bosa more Wolverine, but. Well, I, I just wanted to point out in the graphic, he wasn't Thanos. He was Iron Man with the gauntlet on. Thank you. Thank you. You're right. Exactly. That That's out. why I like it. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and Mahomes was Thanos disappearing. That, that was yeah. yeah. It's all that. That's beautiful. So the 49ers are going to the Super Bowl. Perry and I did a very quick wrap-up show just because we had so many emotions that we had to get this out. Uh, but this was kind of a, a more in-depth recap of the game. By the way, Purdy has now thrown for with the playoffs included. Um, I just had it up, but he's over 5,000 yards on the season if you add the playoffs, which, by the way, he didn't play week 18. So it kind of only is one extra game for him. 5,005 total yards, 35 total touchdowns, with the pass rating of 109.5. It's insane. When, when uh, I saw this stat earlier, let me see if I can find it, but when. Steve Young and Joe Montana each had a passer rating over 100. They went on to win the Super Bowl, and they were both Super Bowl MVP. Here it is right here. Let me let me show it 
and then we'll start to wrap up. Highest pass rating in a single season 49ers history, 112.4. Joe Montana in 1989 won the Super Bowl, won Super Bowl MVP. 112.8. Steve Young in 94 won the Super Bowl, won Super Bowl MVP. This year, Brock Purdy, 113. The Super Bowl is there to be won, and so is Super Bowl MVP. So we'll revisit this in a week and a half, and we'll add that little asterisk there by his by his name when he wins Super Bowl and Super Bowl MVP. Um, all right, guys, Wait, anything else? Go ahead, Brandon. Uh, are you guys more excited for this Super Bowl than you were in 2019? Yeah. I think it feels more right this year. I don't know. I don't think anybody I, was. I, I feel better going into that Super I, Bowl. I feel better about this Super Bowl because of the quarterback we had. I was not feeling that great. I love that we went That's to Super Bowl for that day, but I had no. I'm sorry, I had no faith in Jimmy Garoppolo. None. That just with Brock, I feel. I feel good. I feel actually comfortable now. Yeah, exactly. Oh, here we go Confident. with this idiot in the chat. Confident. He came in late, but he showed up to rear his ugly head. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. All right. That's going to do it for tonight. Uh, I appreciate all you gentlemen joining me as we recap this insane comeback, come from behind win. The 49ers are NFC champions, and they're going to the Super Bowl. Mike, please. I just want to know at halftime, did you guys do anything or change anything, like any superstitions or any anything for luck, like pulling for your team? There's a video going around of this guy named Kyle standing outside getting destroyed by mosquitoes, and she's like, why are you outside? And he's like, because I every time I'm out here, they score. So this guy's like watching from his porch through the window, but they just keep scoring, and he's yeah. outside like just smacking mosquitoes and stuff. I just want to know if you guys did anything different. I talked to Tony about it. Uh, Tony had people over. He was watching upstairs in his living room. Second half, people left. He came and joined us on the uh, on the live stream, but he was down in his man cave and stayed there throughout the duration. Uh, my daughters, they wanted a snow day twice, not last week, but the week before. Uh, they had two-hour delays already scheduled by the school, but they said, we want the day off. So someone in their school, a teacher, said that if you wear your pajamas inside out, you put a spoon under your pillow, and you do a snow dance, then maybe we'll get this, the days canceled. So those two days of the week, my daughters did that, and it worked, and they got snow days the next morning. So when they were going to bed at halftime, I told them, hey, put on your pajamas backwards, and I have, like, little the foam fingers and the 49ers fa uh, flags. I said, put these under your pillow and go to bed. Not only did they do all those things, they also did a 49ers dance. And it worked. So I just wanted to know if you guys did anything like, oh, I'm not changing. We're coming back. Maybe it's just me and my silly superstitions, but I just wanted to know if anybody did anything any different during the second half of the game. Yes, 1,000%. 1,000%. I wear rings. I have multiple rings. I change my rings when things aren't going good. I'm kind of rubbing them. Uh, I have socks. I got Niner socks. I put on a different pair of Niner socks. Previously, it had been my jersey, right? I would wear a jersey until they lost, and then I would change it. But since my dad got me, you know, this stitched pretty jersey, I've been rocking that, and I thought I can't change this because he's going to bring us there. So I stuck with the jersey, changed my rings, changed my socks, and sure enough, it did it. And my dad says right now he started praying. He said, you know, my my aunts and uncles that have passed, 
They're Niners fans, so he was asking for a little supernatural help. We got it. Took care of business. Saw Bonte over there praying at Levi Stadium. God answered his prayers. So it it was fantastic. It really was. Did you guys did you guys do anything superstitious? Is it just me? I had I had my Niners sweatshirt off in the first half, and I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm gonna put it back on during halftime. And sure enough, I mean, it worked. The only thing, the only thing I did was, um, so I watched the games at Varsity Tavern on Mill Ave um, with the AZ Niner Empire. Um, shout out to them, man. Great people. Great. You know, it's like this. We take over that bar. It's literally right down the street from ASU Stadium. Um, I think the only thing I did that I probably would consider stupid superstitious is uh, one of my guys there, uh, he lost his daughter last year. And he felt like this season, you know, was our season. And I, I you know, I came to him and I said, hey, man, we're going to need a little help. And he looked at me and he said, she's got us. So when we pulled that W off, I was like, he looked like he looked at me with tears in his eyes and I cried with him. And I was like, there it is, man. There it is. And we just, you know what I'm saying? I did just embraced him for a minute, you know what I'm saying? But it's probably the closest thing I did to superstitions. Other than that, you know, I was just in there just – I was being the rah-rah guy. I was all over the bar, like, trying to make sure people's spirits was up. Let's get it. We good. We all right. We're going to make it. Yeah. And the only thing I really wanted to do, there was a Lions fan. She was heckling the whole time during the first half. And when we started to come back in the, in the second half, magically she disappeared. Of course. Like, I looked, she was at that same table, holding it down, talking trash, running her mouth. And when we scored, I ran over there to look. She was gone. I said, oh, okay. All right. That's how we're going to do it. We're going we, we gonna to pull a CJ. Yep. And then well, she just like that, cover you out. I could see all 5-5 five, five of Dion running over there with a big smile on his face. I do. <laughs> hey, look. Hey, sir, sir, put some respect on my name. It's five six, motherfucker. Five six, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Don't she, take she, a hit away from me, damn it! I'm already short as it is, man. Damn. <laughs> she was representing the Lions the way they were representing on Fox, man. Second half, I don't remember them showing the stadium a single time. They didn't show that Ford Field a nope. single time during the second half. Because it was quiet. You could hear a pin drop. Because Lions fans were leaving before the game was even over. Yeah. It was crazy. They saw that it was they, they, those, but those, I'll say this, those fans that were leaving, they knew. They were like, man, I ain't got, they, they didn't have that ultimate confidence. They were like, look, it's the Lions, bro. We probably going to screw this up. And when they start seeing it fall apart, yeah, we go. It's, it's just like the saying, I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. And that's exactly all it took. I needed my different uh, rings, Michael my different stocks. Uh, all right, I'm gonna end it with this. This that I've shared in the chat. I post on X, but I think it's just perfect, and it, it perfect ending with a little little bit of superstitious. Tom Brady, the only quarterback to beat Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Brock Purdy, the only quarterback to beat Tom Brady in his first NFL start. The powers from mm. Tom Brady were transferred into young Brock last season in Santa Clara. A lot of us were at that game to witness it. And now Brock with the powers of said Tom, Bay Area Tom, is going into Patrick Mahomes to face Patrick Mahomes in Vegas. So 
it, it's got to line up, guys. And, and by the way, I saw Nick uh, from Nothing But Niners posted this. When Brock took a knee Sunday night, it was exactly at 6.49 p.m. The 49ers are on their quest for 6, 6.49. Wow. The signs are there. The signs are there. I'm telling you to bet your mortgage that the Niners will – I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That'll do it, guys. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Mike, let the folks know where to find you in case they don't already know. Yeah, so uh, you guys, make sure you guys go to patreon.com slash nb9ers. Our regularly scheduled shows are going to be there until we can get the YouTube page back up and running. Um, And you don't have to subscribe to a paid platform. I have found out a way that I can do things live, uh, and you you can subscribe for free. So we have a free tier, and then there's three other tiers that you can subscribe to. The other tiers will continue to have the bonus equipment, uh, bonus uh, shows and episodes, uh, but the regularly scheduled programs are going to be on there for the free. So make sure you guys head on over there. Uh, We will be back, and the Saturday before the Super Bowl, I will be doing the first ever, any 49ers content creator, first ever 24-hour stream heading into the Super Bowl. And that will be on the YouTube page. You don't have to be a part of the Patreon. It will be a 24-hour live stream the day before the Super Bowl. So make sure you guys are there and watching. I'm going to be looking for crowd participation. If any of you guys want to come in for any moment, I don't care what time zone you're in, I'm going to be up at 4 in the morning trying to do this live stream. So it's 4 in the morning for me. You guys out on the West Coast, it's only 1. If you guys are up, you're drunk on a Saturday, you got done watching boxing, I don't care what you're doing. Just come in and tell me, Mike, you're fucking crazy and leave. I don't care what it is that you want to do or say. But (laughs) I will be live the entire time, first ever 24-hour stream. I'm excited about this one. I feel this one. It's going to be good. Let's do it. And I'm sure that applies to all of you gentlemen. If you are available Saturday. Please go join Mike and talk some 49ers. Uh, but all right, that'll do it, guys. All of our handles are on the screen. Make sure you hit like. Make sure you hit subscribe. We appreciate all of you that have rocked with us this entire season. If you're new, thank you for joining the ride. Hit like, hit subscribe. The 49ers are in the Super Bowl. We'll be live next week sometime, Wednesday, Thursday, with Matt to preview the actual Super Bowl game. We just had to have an actual long show recapping what the hell we just saw Sunday night versus the Lions. Uh, They tried, came for the King, they missed, and the Niners took them down. With that said, guys, have a great night. Have a great rest of your week. Take care and go Niners.